everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. Thanks for tuning in to another podcast. Poker Action Line is on as we do the show from our studios in South Florida. Bring another program uh, talking about the world of poker, Joe. There's always something to do and uh, always something to watch, always something to learn. And uh, we'll try to help people out in all those regards. Tonight. Yeah, but, uh, and our show covers everything, Dave. We cover uh, from the players to the game to the people behind the scenes, to everything. Numbers, results, schedules, everything upcoming. We cover it all, and we hope you'll join us every week. Uh, no guests tonight. Uh, we've had some pretty good guests over the last few weeks, but uh, no, nobody tonight. And uh, Joe is uh, getting back into the world of poker himself, so uh, he may be gone a couple of shows later <laughs> in the month. We'll have a couple of co-hosts to step in and look forward to that as well. We always have fun with uh, some of the guys that step in occasionally, and we'll talk to a few of those uh Mark Perlman, I know, will join us for one show. And Mark is a expert at uh, uh, Omaha, Omaha 8, yep. uh, Omaha High-Low Split, uh, which you don't find too much. Uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about an article written by uh, the great writer, Ed Miller, that uh, they carry his stuff in Card Player Magazine, and he's written several books. And he talks about things he would do differently if he were turning pro now as opposed to 2005 when okay. he first started. So uh, that brings me to that thought of trying different games. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, you just don't see that game that much. But if you can find a little niche, uh, you know, I don't want to give away a lot of trade secrets, but uh, there are players in this town that, that um, do um, very well at the particular games and will drive two, three hours sometimes to find a game, a regular game, that they know that they can win just about every time they sit in. Exactly, and and the reason is, Dave, you, as we know, not too many of those games are being spread down here because you don't have that large of, uh, of player pool you know, that want to play that game because they're not comfortable. But the ones that have stepped up because it is a big action game, so you're drawing people with deep pockets to play this game but they're not necessarily that good at it yet, right? you know, and some of them may never get very good at it. So being that it's been around for a while, it's still relatively new, and again, not having read Ed Miller's uh, column, which I know you're going to bring up later, you know, I remember being told by somebody who was a tremendous local pro down here, used to make a ton of money, ran under under the the, <laughs> the radar, and he always used to tell me, he goes, you know, you want to get ahead in this game. He goes, learn the new next game that's going to be coming up. Right. And learn to be very efficient at it. And you're going to pick up a lot of money from people who are making so many mistakes because they don't know the game. They haven't studied it enough. Well, I think a couple of years ago, I really felt that uh, straight PLO uh, was just the high game, was going to be the next one to take over. And it seemed to be picking up some steam and then kind of petered out a little bit. I mean, you can get all these games at the World Series, obviously. Uh, probably not the best place to learn, though, because the players out there are all very experienced and, and knowledgeable. Well, let me tell you, PLO, you know, uh, P, uh, PLO uh, 8, you know, uh, not PLO 8, uh, uh, Omaha 8, when it first came out, people loved it because you you could win two sides of the pot. Right. But... As why I don't like the game is because there's such a large variance in the game, and every card could change. You could have the nut low on the turn, 
and now you no longer have it on the river. Right. And I think the or split if you have a if you have a great low hand, and all of a sudden you don't get that last card eight or lower, and there is no low hand. Right. Well, that means you're chasing, which yeah. is where the top pros in this made those people pay. If you had the if you had a strong high hand, you're always trying to make the lows. The people chasing the lows pay for it. Right. You know, or anybody else who's trying to obviously get over your high. But if you think your high is super strong, that you're not going to lose that. You're making the lows who want to chase it, pay it. And when it doesn't get there, you're scooping the whole pot. Well, we're going to do a whole show on uh, PLO in, uh, in the next few, a couple of months, probably about a month from now, because uh, I just got a new book uh, the publishing company sent to me, and uh, they're lining up uh, interviews with the author. So we'll give you a little more information about that in the next couple of weeks, but about a month from now we'll do it. And then when Mark joins me, I obviously we'll, we'll direct a lot of our attention to uh, Omaha 8, which is, which is a great game. Uh, the game that I enjoy, that I felt like I had a little bit of a natural ability, if there is such a thing, was Raz. I enjoy playing Raz. So did I. You can't find that game though, almost anywhere. No, you can't. But maybe it'll make a, uh, you know, maybe it'll come back and start being played for, you know, for cash money. I used to play it for an 816 on online, and it was tremendous action on there. Uh, you could usually find. I remember on Poker Stars, I could find three or four games constantly going, and they had them in different range uh, of, of betting structure. But listen, we didn't hear about pineapple or crazy pineapple, and now I'm hearing. You know, I was in Daytona; they were spreading that game. They were spreading it at Magic City. So, you know, some Things of these games up. that you heard from a long time ago maybe are now making it because you know people want to find a new niche, a different game to play that maybe they can get good at because they haven't gotten all the nuances of Hold'em or, you know, or Omaha. So hopefully Ras will come back. I love Ras. What's the transition? Say, uh, say you started and said, uh, you know, I think this is going to be the next game. I really want to learn this game. I'm going to try to play it as much as I can. I'm going to go to the series. I'm going to play uh, any, any chances at 10,000 or 1,500, whatever it is. Uh, how long does it take, really? How many... Let's say, how many hands do you got to play before you really start to get uh, comfortable and learn the nuances? Well, yeah, I think that's a very difficult, it's a great question, but it's a difficult question without having it played a lot. And since it doesn't spread a whole lot, you really, it's hard for you to gain experience at it. Um, I remember a friend of mine gave me a Phil Helmuth tape set that I heard in my car, and it was poker for beginners. And, you know, most of it I knew, but one of the great things that he did was when he addressed Raz and Seven Card Stud, you know, those are games where the people who excel at them, Dave, are the, are the ones who have great memories to remember what cards were up as, the, as right. people fold them. Right. So now you know how many outs people have, what somebody could have. If you know all the fours are out, you know that someone who's betting in, in let's say, in Raz, you know he doesn't have the four in his hand. So if you happen to have a four, you know, you figure it out. You've, you've got to play the game and kind of get a feel for it and... Just like in any other poker game, you know, you, you, there are hidden cards here like in seven-card studs, so you've got to try to put your opponent on certain hands. You've got to do that in all styles of poker, but in this you really got to put it, but you're getting more information if you've got a great memory to remember, you know, there's only one five left. He's not showing me a five. There's no fours left. So best case scenario, he's got to be having the case five in his hand with right, whatever right, other right. cards are there. And what I used to love about Raz is I know the best hand that they could possibly have, say, on 6th Street drawing, and I know that I can, you know, 
I've got a lot of cards to help me over over the cards that they have, and right. they're just being very aggressive, making you put in money when they know that they've got you, but by a very small margin. And if you know that a lot of the cards that that could beat him are still alive out there, you know, if there's seven to eight cards still alive out there, you know, again, uh, I, I'm, I'm no expert at it, but, you know, from learning this and, and hearing how Phil Hellmuth addressed this and from a beginner standpoint, right. it definitely helped me a little bit online as to what I was looking for, something that I wasn't looking for before I heard this. So right, exactly. you've got to learn it. You've got to go through the growing pains when, when, you're, when you're learning any new game. Read up on it. Read up from the experts who have written stuff on it. And see if this is a, the, a game that suits your style of play. And, and you could take it because, you know, there's, there's more betting in here. It's a limit game. So the variance isn't as high as, as it is, uh, you know, in no limit. But if you're not playing the game correctly, if you're, you know, if you're chasing when you have almost no shot of getting out of there, it's going to become a very expensive game, even at limit. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, the TV programs on uh, from the World Series of Poker are underway. The Global Casino Championship was uh, the first show on Sunday night, uh, or I'm sorry, on Tuesday night uh, of this week. We're doing the show here on Wednesday. So it was on last night. I did not see it. I had forgotten about it myself and did not see it. But that's kind of separate from the uh, main event, which all uh, kicks off this weekend uh, on Sunday the 11th. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, pretty uh, a full schedule, uh, starting with the first show there, and uh, you know you'll get a chance to pick all that up on uh, ESPN, ESPN two. Uh, the first shows uh, for the main event. Uh, the first one is 8:30 on Sunday night on ESPN two, and they have a second show that evening at 10 p.m. also on ESPN two, and then uh, pretty much every Sunday there is a Monday show worked in there somewhere, but. Uh, uh, pretty much uh, every Sunday, you can check that out. Um, you feel any differently that you might uh, try to pick some of that up this year, or no? What's that with the show? Well, I actually watched a few hands of the global. Did you towards the end? Uh, they were at one table, the featured table, right. and I, I, I saw one hand where one guy. I, I, he didn't seem like he was that short stack, but I didn't know what the blind structure was, so I caught it in a little late. But he pushed all in with Ace Ten, got called by Ace Jack, and he needed he needed a jack on the river. Okay, to win the hand be first straight for the yeah to get the straight and that's exactly what he got. Wow. So you know, wow. that's so, always tough yeah, when you kind of make your hand, but someone else makes a better hand. Exactly, because the ten would have given him two pairs, like it gave the other guy two pairs, but his ten played for the straight. Right, exactly. Uh, a big tournament uh, here in South Florida. Well, I, I don't know if I want to call it South Florida. Now it's kind of Southwest Florida, uh, over closer to uh, the Naples Fort Myers area. It's actually called a Mockley. It's the Seminole Hard Rock over there. They are having a tournament there, uh, kind of midst of the, of the big one. Uh, it's a WPT Deep Stacks event, and the main event starts on Friday. Uh, there'll be uh, the opening day, uh, two opening sessions uh, at uh, 12 noon on Friday and then 12 noon on Saturday. $1,100 buy-in, uh, pretty big event, and a 200000 guarantee. So uh, kind of their big event of the year over there. Uh, it's a long drive, uh, for people who have five or six casinos and <laughs> poker rooms right in their area, but a uh, uh, pretty good tournament, and uh, we certainly invite people to check that out. Immokalee is uh, about, I'd say, about 90 miles from South Florida, uh, a little bit north of uh, Alligator Alley, and you, you turn north, and 
It's probably about uh, 10 or 15 miles well, off it's, Alligator it's Alley. Slightly further than going from here to uh, the West Palm Beach Kennel Club. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, anyway, that's all going on this week. So we'll keep an eye on that tournament and see what happens. They've had several events. Uh, I think there was 11 altogether in that tournament. Uh, so we'll check it out and uh, and pass that along to you next week. But that kit's underway over the weekend here in uh, southwest Florida, not too far from here. A couple other things I wanted to mention. Uh, the uh, Poker Pro that finished second to uh, Joe Hashem, or was it uh, actually uh, second year? about in the main Greg Raymer. Yeah, David Williams. I'm trying to remember who he uh, finished second to. I believe it was Raymer. Yeah, finished second to Raymer, and uh, uh, that's many years ago. That's obviously 2004, but David's uh, had a pretty good poker career, obviously, and he uh, we've seen several poker players get involved in some uh, reality TV shows, and uh, David is another one that has done that. He has been on this show, Master Chef, that is hosted uh, by Gordon Ramsay and uh, runs on Fox. I think it's on Wednesday nights. And they start out with 20 contestants, and uh, David Williams obviously is a pretty talented cook as well because he's still alive in the show down to the final 10. And there's several stories on cardplayer.com if you want to check some of that out. They're all playing for a $250,000 prize and a special cookbook deal. Uh, So they are moving along. Uh, David's last uh, item was uh, bacon-wrapped shrimp with tomato salad and anchovy sauce. (laughs) Sounds pretty uh, interesting. I like everything except that anchovy sauce. That's that's (laughs) the only thing that would make me try it. Uh, And they made it on a cast-iron skillet, so uh, I guess that takes some skill. And it's nice to see because, you know, David Williams played great poker that year in the main event, and he's continued to play great poker. You know, he's continued to improve his right. game, so it's nice to see now that he's getting other recognition with this, with the chef. So this is excellent. Well, he talks about, uh, there. obviously was the, the comparison between the pressure involved in uh, cooking on a TV show versus uh, playing poker, and he said there's there's no match. He said the poker is the most pressure by far. <laughs> so, so Ramsey can't scare him, huh? Yeah. He's, I'm sure he's past that, that's for sure. Uh, anyway, he's continuing on the show. I think uh, as we do the show, I believe it is on tonight, so maybe we'll catch that after I head home. <laughs> but uh, they said, you know, it's just a friendly atmosphere, and they're having a lot of fun with it. It's not like poker where there's stare-downs and, uh, you know, uh, cutthroat Yeah, and he's, he's not putting up a big entry fee and <laughs> trying to guess trying to guess what a multiple uh, poker players are trying to move on him. So. Right, but dealing with the pressure, I'm sure uh, the poker has helped him somewhat and uh, you know obviously uh, there's lots of different aspects to uh, the time frame that you have to cook these things on the program and things like that but I did see the opening show when he was on and uh, he's been uh, he's been on every week so uh, if you're a poker passing on he keeps passing on getting on keeps getting on that's for sure anyway check that out Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, the tournament that we were talking about last week when we were on the air was uh, the uh, Legends of Poker out in Los Angeles, and uh, the winner was Pat Lyons. I think we were down to the final table when we started uh, last week's show, and I think uh, didn't he have a big chip lead too? Wasn't uh, he the one was a big it chip he? Lead? I guess he, I guess he was the chip leader, but I, there was a fellow named William Vaux that was leading at one point. Uh, he got knocked out, I think, at fourth place, but uh, final order of finish. No, Vaux finished in fifth. Uh, but Lyons was the winner, 615000 Ben Zamani, who's from South Florida, he is from Boca Raton. And uh, Zamani finished uh, second, 341000 And then our buddy Upeshka Da Silva, 
That's the name finished you in love, third yes. at 198k. Todd Peterson fourth, William Vo fifth, and Rafael Ferreira de Oliveira from Brazil finished in sixth place. Uh, it was a two to f- uh, two and a half to one uh, chip lead, uh, starting off with Lyons and uh, Zamani uh, and him went head to head for like an hour. Pretty interesting. Uh, but uh, in the end, it was uh, Pat Lyons picking up the win in Los Angeles. Uh, the other men- quick uh, thing I wanted to mention was, uh, have you heard about the new estate that's uh, considering casino gambling? This is going to shock you, I think. Who? Arkansas. Really? Yeah. In the south? Yeah. Wow. I guess they have a couple of racinos in Arkansas. I know there was a dog track there at one time, which probably has a casino now. And uh, they're talking about actually uh, moving in with uh, with a hard rock there. Uh, you know, and Cherokee Nation uh, had a partnership to build something there. So uh, the group is called uh, Arkansas Wins in 2016 is the group that, that, that pushed this. They actually got a referendum uh, set up uh, that uh, the voters will be able to vote on. It's called Issue 5. And they needed a hundred thousand. They needed uh, eighty-four thousand signatures, and they got over a hundred thousand. So uh, it seems to be a pretty popular idea. They did not have a problem getting the signatures, but now they have to get the voters to vote for it. So right wow. now, uh, that's the best I, chance. I'd love of to see something like that here in Florida, <laughs> huh? Yeah, but exactly. I don't know if the Seminoles will allow that. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, we'll keep an eye on some of that stuff. We got a couple articles I wanted to talk about tonight. Uh, Ed Miller. Uh, talks about uh, starting a pro career. We may have a couple of strategy sessions. We'll take a look at the schedule, see what's going on around the pro circuit, uh, the World Series of Poker circuit, and the uh, World Poker Tour, obviously, uh, well underway. And we'll keep an eye on the television schedule, which, uh, as I mentioned, kicks off this weekend on Sunday, September 11th, for the World Series of Poker main event. So let's take our first break here on the show. Uh, you're listening to Poker Action Line, and we want to tell you about our friends at Gulfstream Park, uh, located in Hallandale Beach, which is uh, just north of the Dade-Broward Dade line. Uh, the two counties uh, meet right down there by the Golden Glades Interchange, and just north of there off uh, Federal Highway and Hallandale Beach Boulevard is uh, Gulfstream Park, which is a whole entertainment, shopping, dining complex now with the village of Gulfstream Park out in front of the track. Uh, great racing over the weekend. They had the Sire Stakes, the Florida Sire Stakes, and the uh, Summer Soiree. So lots of great promotions and stuff for the holidays. But uh, daily you can find a good poker game there with uh, plenty of good stuff. And from what I hear, a pretty nice Omaha game. That, I was just about to mention that, Dave. You beat me to it. But, yeah, they were one of the first few down here to start spreading a really good Omaha game down there. And, uh, you know, hopefully when you have Mark on the show when I'm gone, he can talk about that because he was working there, and then he started playing there. So if you're into Omaha, guys, that's one of the places you definitely want to be at. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's located, the poker room, in the first floor casino, which is called the Finish Line Casino. Uh, you walk in the doors, and there's some uh, poker or uh, horse racing simulcast area right in the front. And then to the right is uh, the slot machines. To the left is several... Uh, um, snack bars and concession stands and then you keep walking toward the back and you'll see the poker room there 20 tables in the back and uh really a nice clean room and great games and and well run i I like the people there 
Uh, I like the players there. There's a lot of really nice people. You can meet some people, and it's a good place. We've known that Scott and Mike have run that room for many years now, and they've done just an outstanding job. There's a couple of uh, big games that show up there and play nightly. Uh, You have to get invited to play in those, obviously. Uh, I know Isaiah Goldman, that finished second in a major tournament at the Isle, plays in that regularly. Danny Swed, who's known as the Miami boss, and a few other guys play on a regular game there, which is, I think, a 10-25 game that plays in the back. So uh, there's uh, there's plenty of things to do. Maybe you can work your way into that one if that's your uh, choice. But they have nightly tournaments, uh, and all different buy-ins, anywhere from, I think, $50 up to about 110 And they are nightly at 7 p.m. There's, uh, there's an Omaha game on Wednesday nights. The other nights it's uh, Hold'em. But uh, different buy-ins, different chip stacks, and a uh, chance to win some nice some money there. Um, Always have a decent turnout, you know, not a huge game. It's not a huge room, but, uh, you know, you can't break the bank. But uh, you're liable to have uh, 30 to 60 players in these They're giving you a lot of options, too, depending on what you like to play, whether it's tournaments, cash games, higher limit Omaha. So let me tell you. They also have a great loyalty program where you can earn uh, Gulfstream swag and and, uh, tickets to events and even slot play free slot play if you uh, play a certain amount of time you get depending on how much you play you get certain credits and it's called uh, the Gulfstream loyalty program check it out uh, they'll give you all the information if you want to find a regular place to play and uh, get paid for playing it's uh, really a pretty good deal uh, it's located at 901 South Federal Highway it's in Hallandale Beach very easy to get to off 95 in between 95 and the beaches uh, check it out and tell them the big Dave and Joe sent you over it's Gulfstream Park welcome to your playground This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. They'll challenge your authority because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch until you hear that click. 
never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, uh, producer Gio Ochoa. And uh, we bring you another program here. Uh, certainly a lot of uh, stuff going on, including an uh, event that just ended at uh, uh, Planet Hollywood out in Las Vegas. That was a circuit event. We'll see if we can get some results on that. And uh, they are headed next to Biloxi for main event coming up. The uh, 12 days, uh, 12 rings in 12 days series at Biloxi starts uh, this weekend on uh, actually tomorrow on Thursday, and then they'll move from there to Southern Indiana outside of Louisville for uh, the Horseshoe Southern Indiana event. Uh, another Horseshoe event follows that in mid October at uh, Hammond, Indiana, which is up near Chicago, and then back to uh, Nevada and Lake Tahoe later in October and the first part of November. And then they'll come back here to Palm Beach Kennel Club for. Uh, an event down here in South Florida, which uh, we'll sure be checking out and covering for you here on uh, Poker Action Line. And then West Palm Beach Kennel Club has one just a few months later, uh, another one. Well, they have they? one in February. They oh, have which their, is their, their big signature event. one. Yeah, yeah, their big event in February. But uh, certainly we'll uh, look for that as well. Wanted to talk about a little bit about uh, two art items of uh, that are kind of concerning to uh, poker fans. Uh, some kind of misbehavior. First of all, one is uh, definitely documented and kind of comes out, out of the blue from a player we haven't heard too much from lately, and that is uh, Ted Forrest uh, uh, was uh, arrested out in Las Vegas for uh, passing bad checks. Ooh. He owed uh, some money at one of the casinos that he played at regular, and uh, they had take a that very that. seriously out there. <laughs> Just to give you a few details on it. Uh, you know, one of the things we've heard about Ted Forrest was uh, the bets he had with Mike Mattisau, uh weight-losing uh, propositions and things like like that. But, um, you know, a pretty good guy, it seems like, for the most part. Pretty good reputation and and uh, won six, has won six WSOP bracelets in his career. So a very good player that's uh, well-known. But uh, his problem apparently was with the win out in Las Vegas. Uh, he tried to pass two checks, and these were a while ago, uh, 2000, October of 2012 and May of 2013, and uh, owed uh, the casino some money, and uh, said that he would agree to pay 10 monthly payments of 10000 and then one lump sum payment, but he never made good on that bet. So uh, he also had a problem with the Mirage, owed them some money, owed them more than 40000 from an earlier loan that totaled over 100000 and, uh, you know, it's kind of rough on a, for a guy that uh, has made over $6 million in his career that he would uh, owe that kind of money. Well, listen, you know, we know that a lot of these poker players have other issues than, you know, leaks in their games, as they used to like to say, you know, with uh, gambling. You know, and as we know now, you know, because back then you used to hear when Ted Forrest was really playing back, you know, before the real big explosion and everything else. How much of that six million that he made did he actually keep? Remember, well, you know, we yeah. we've got to know about backing. You know, I'm sure back then there was backers back then. And again, you know, 
we've heard stories about other, I don't want to mention, but one of them was a guest on our show a long time ago who, you know, loves loves the dice table, you know, and uh, when you're when you have these gambling leaks, not to mention, you know, and, and, and again, not to say that this is that, but other things in life that, that can become addictive to you and you're constantly going through this, you know, you, you think this is found money, you know, as they always say, you know, one money, you know, is sweeter is sweeter than earned money, and you think you're going to consistently get this, and, you know, we both know in poker you can go through a long stretch without collecting. Right. In a tournament, it's even more difficult than if you're running bad at the cash tables. Oh, my God, you'll go right through your bankroll. Right. Yeah, no question about it. Uh his reputation, I'm sure, is what got him the amount of money that exactly. we're talking about exactly. from these hotels. Exactly. Well, that bothers me some, but I'll tell you what bothers me more is another story that's come out this past week. And this is, hasn't been confirmed or justified or anything, but we know about the Global Poker League and that they have kind of struggled this summer. It really has not worked out as well as uh, Alex Dreyfus thought it would. Uh, but the concerning thing is that uh, there's a lot, been a lot of discussion on 2 plus 2, which, of course, you have to take it with a grain of salt. But uh, uh, players are talking about this and that uh, he actually, uh, Dreyfus actually approached Fader Holtz during the World Series. Fader obviously has been on a huge role yeah. and is on a team on the Los Angeles Sunset right. in, the, in the league. And it, it, it's the, the situation is, is that uh, Dreyfus approached him and I guess asked to borrow like... Uh, $10,000 or something from Fader Holtz. Uh, seems like such a conflict of interest, but uh, obviously uh, Fader, good kid, and uh, said he would help out. And the story is that uh, Dreyfus said, you know, um, you know, I will pay you back a very in a timely basis, and he didn't. And it was uh, Holtz looked around and found out that there was another player named Hendrik Latz that he had borrowed, uh, money, that he had borrowed from? money from also, which yes. turned into uh, from a quick borrow to a three-month loan. So he did pay back, and uh, you know I guess that uh, is certainly uh, some credit for that. But uh, people were making a big deal about this, and uh, so Dreyfus made a statement and said, uh, I've apologized to both players for having failed in the original repayment deadline, as it was intended. He goes, I've also apologized to them for both the lack of communication and the non-professionalism that was uh, inherent in this on my part. And he talked about how uh, the, the situation in the summer for the GPO was very tough. A lot of things didn't work out as planned, that there was never any malicious intent. So when you start hearing things like that, you, you think, oh, boy. He's leveraged. He's completely leveraged. I don't know how much he invested, obviously. I don't know if that's ever been made public. But he's, it seems to me when you're asking for $10,000, and I don't know what the other amount was, whether it was 10000 from the other player that he asked for, but... They don't seem like large amounts for somebody who's taking on a project of the Global right. Poker League, and you would imagine, oh, hey, listen, I just don't have cash now. You would think it was something you'd take care of in a couple of days at, at, at worst. And now it took him a lot longer for relatively small amounts for, for what he's the project that well, he's undertaking. I, I, I think some, the way people may understand it a little better is if uh, what if Roger Goodell uh, called up Aaron Rodgers and said, you know, hey, let me borrow $50,000. You know, it's just not a good thing. It, no, it, it sets it, a bad precedent. It isn't a good thing. You know, it should have been something that, hey, listen, I can't get to the bank now. Do you have 10000 to give me, and I'll take care of it tomorrow. 
I don't see an issue with that because you see poker players do that all the time. The only problem is that Dreyfus is really not a player. No, he's not. But he's running a league. You assume that this guy has money to run this league. Obviously, it hasn't been the success that he's hoping for. And again, if he's taking this amount of time, my only guess is he's leveraged up, you know, yeah, up, to his, up to his head and, and, you know, doesn't have money to do whatever it is he needed, those $10,000 from the players. Well, they were supposed to have uh, the league playoffs in August originally, and they were supposed to go over and play uh, in Europe. Uh, they were going to have a big finale at uh, Wembley Stadium, and they canceled all of that stuff simply because it would cost too much to move the cube all over uh, the world and and transport it. So they decided to have things in Vegas, and, and they actually were going to have something at uh, Twitch.com as well, the... Uh, uh, TwitchCon, which is right. the, like their big, uh, se- uh, you know, seminar, and uh, you know we've seen that in all in the uh, gaming business and different, uh, you know, celebrations and festivals and that sort of thing. But uh, they have now moved uh, the play just to Vegas, and uh, it's set for September 20th. So here we are now. Uh, in the first week of September, are they going to be able to finish this league, or is this going to go the way of the Epic Poker League and disappear before even finishing their first year? And, you know, if he's looking to get sponsors for these things on uh, online while these players are playing online, which is 95% of the games they're playing online or whatever, right. as a sponsor, I'd be very worried about this report that just came out. Right. You understand? I, I don't know if he's going to be able to deliver on whatever promises, on whatever promises that he has mentioned to the players. We haven't heard from any of the players. I don't know what the pay scale was supposed to be for these players. Well, I don't think it was much, to be honest. You with know, you. that was so, one of the points why a lot of people didn't get involved. So you know, we, we haven't gotten a lot of you know information on this. And like I said, like I've said on this show, I I, I thought it was a great idea. But I don't like the planning as as how they've gone forward in, in implementing how they play this game because, to me, there isn't a great deal of interest. For me, I wanted to see the top players playing each other, and if I could watch them online, that'd be great to see how they play online. I think you'd have gotten millions of people getting online for that, but you're seeing different players. I know these are great poker players, but you know the general poker public wants to see the top players play. Yeah. And you needed to have a schedule to have that, and I guess... He couldn't line that up with the with the big names that are on the different teams. Yeah, well, the players that did play, yeah, they wanted to step up and promote the the game, the sport, which uh, is great. You know, which is which is the worst thing could happen now is if uh, it closes you know, again, like closes because of uh, questionable behavior. Well, you know, one may have to do with the other. The success of the league may have to do with their questionable behavior because he's, you know, again. Up against the tough, you know, up against the wall, so to speak. Anyway, these are situations that are out there right now. We just pass it along, and uh, we we'll keep an eye on it and see what happens. I really wanted this league to work out well, but uh, I can't say that I'm thrilled with how it's gone. No, no I, I don't think anybody can. Like I said, you know, the draft I thought was great. It got me very interested in how they did that. You know, a lot of the teams were really great as far as the players in there, but there was no scheduling like where you where where you get excited where you say hey I got to put some time aside to, that I want to watch this match because I know these guys are going to be playing these players are going to be playing yeah no I agree I agree so we'll see what happens we'll pass it along to you when we find out a little bit more 
seems like this particular episode is over. Dreyfus says he won't be con- uh, commenting again publicly on it. And, of course, people like to uh, rub his face in it if they get the chance and uh, may continue to do so. But uh, so far, we haven't heard anything more about it. Uh, let's switch gears just a little bit and talk a little bit about uh, how a great uh, poker author, who is a very good player and writes about his experiences in the Card Player magazine, several other places, he's published several books. And that is Ed Miller, who is uh, we definitely want to have on the program. He was oh, associated with those guys uh, in... Uh, uh, split suit uh, that we had on the show, and and some of those guys that uh, work on that site over there. Um, anyway, he uh, Red Chip Poker is Red the Chip, name of, that's uh, what is I, the name I, of the site. And he does instructional videos on there, and also some original articles. He's also his latest book is uh, Poker's One Percent: The One Big Secret That Keeps Elite Players on Top. And uh, so really have some interesting things. But he has an article uh, on Card Player that's on there right now. just was published the first week of uh, September, earlier this week. And he talks about uh, three things that he would do differently if he were turning pro today. And he talks about uh, how he started playing professionally, quit his job to play poker full-time 13 years ago, back in 2003, right around the time that uh, Chris Moneymaker created all the interest in the game. And he said he's done well, but he, uh, looking back 13 years later, there's a few things he would do differently uh, if he were just starting now. Now, there's many people out there that think they're doing well online or maybe go to their local poker rooms and uh, make money on a consistent basis and say, listen, I could do this for a living. I could make a, make a living doing this. And not necessarily uh, playing bracelet events at the World Series because there's so many other aspects to the game and ways to make money. But uh, maybe a little bit of a few tips could maybe correct some mistakes and uh, learn from someone else's experience. Okay, I'm, I'm very curious to hear this since I haven't read the article yet. Now, Ed's uh, from the Seattle area, and he said, you know, there's uh, places to play there, but it's expensive. And he was looking around to see where he was going to move. And his two thoughts were Vegas and Los Angeles. He said the, the cost of living, uh, you know, was not not that bad in Vegas. Uh, of course, there's good games in Los Angeles, but uh, the cost of living is much higher. So he ended up going to Vegas, and he says he likes the city, but he said, uh, you know, he kind of had tunnel vision and didn't really consider a lot of other things. And that's one of the things he would do differently this time, is take a bigger look around the country at places where there are to play. Uh, he said uh, New Orleans is a very cheap cost of living, excellent games there. He said you can also drive to Tunica and uh, maybe up to Oklahoma and, and have some places that really aren't that far away. But he said now, uh, with the expansion of poker into places like Florida and Maryland, Pennsylvania, Chicago, and he also mentions Wisconsin and Portland as two other cities, he says those are places that he really thinks uh, you should look at. And especially as more places go online with poker, he said, you know, what you'd want to do is find a place that's uh, just starting out, so they don't have a lot of big pros there making a lot of money and really tough games. So, um, you know, the local enthusiasts love to play, and uh, they're just not that skilled, and you have a chance well, to make yeah, money on a regular basis. Well, yeah, a step or two behind uh, the rest of the country at that point for the most part. So he says, so overall, if you want to play full-time, you, spend, you should spend a good bit of time thinking about the best places to live and travel for the best games, and then don't get too settled. Always be on the lookout for somewhere else. I think that's outstanding advice, and you know I remember hearing from local top pros here when you know before the explosion, obviously, and every time I remember when 
Mississippi and New Orleans first opened up many years ago, they moved out there for six months because they wanted to take advantage of the same thing that he said. And you get a, a lot of top pros, but they didn't want to face each other off in the tables, but there was enough action out there for them to do that. One aspect that I never thought about that he mentions there that you just talked about was the cost of living. You know, as a poker player, you just think you're going to go to a, to, a, to a, an area where there's poker, where you think you could take advantage of the players there, of the, the situation. And as we both know, sometimes you, you go through the rough patches, and you've got to live in an area where if you're paying, you know, $2,000 a month for rent as opposed to 700 somewhere, you know, that's $1,300 that you could be using to play your game and to get back on the winning track and, you know, all the other expenses of uh, food and everything else, travel expenses. I never thought about that, but that makes tremendous sense. And one of the things maybe that's, that's not as obvious is uh, not necessarily the exact place where you live, but the access to drive to or maybe uh, cheap flights to other places. As exactly. Well. Like he mentioned, Tunica from New Orleans to the Mississippi Biloxi Tunica. It's about, what, an hour, hour and a half, maybe right. two hours at the most. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's number one, looking for opportunities to move to and to travel to, to, to play uh, poker. The second one is talking about the what we just mentioned earlier, was uh, uh, looking for opportunities to play the non-standard or most popular games because you have a chance to make some money if you're one of the first ones that really has finds your niche in, in those games. Uh, he says when he started back in 2003, uh, the standard game was limit hold'em. Yeah, and uh, you know he said there there in Vegas there's places where you can find stud and raz, but uh, just about everybody was playing limit hold'em. Now after the moneymaker uh, effect kicked in, it went to no limit hold'em, and there's obviously uh, you know I'm not probably sophisticated enough to to know all the nuances, but there's a big difference between playing limit hold'em and and no limit hold'em. Yeah, there definitely is you know and and. You have to know that, and I had to learn that because I was so used to playing limit that I was afraid to take that step to no limit because I thought it was going to be a lot more volatile. And to be honest with you, I believe no limit is an easier game for you to dominate than limit because of how many people, you know, you, you, in my opinion, how many people get into the game because because it's a set amount, right. you know. So unless somebody's yeah, more, in there with you, it's more of a head right. game, reading people, bluffing people, getting them to fold the good hands, and that sort of thing, and, which makes it a much different game. Well, yeah, and and in limit, you don't get people really folding hands, and you've got to bet your hands because people for one bet are priced into calling almost anything at right. the, on the river. So you're not going to really bluff too many times. You've got to be in the perfect position and even then you might just get somebody to call you with with bottom pair just because they want to see what you have he talks about how he he didn't he never really took no limit hold'em seriously until 2005 so he said there was a two-year period there that he wished he really would have taken advantage and and uh, jumped into the game earlier made the leap to playing no limit hold'em and uh he said uh you know he he really would have been in a better position to capitalize on the opportunities that were there in the very beginning exactly you want to be the first one in the door, not not the one coming in in the middle after people have already kind of learned the game and have adjusted their game. And I think you could talk to just about any player out there who's been playing regularly for a living for 15 years that 
Times have changed. I mean, it's a tough game out there now. There's so many good players that have learned the game from the the online explosion and, and playing so many hands that uh, there's a big difference out there between uh, those years where it was just easy to rake in money. Yeah, well, you know, and, and, and the young bloods that have been playing this game found a niche as to the aggressiveness of the game that was, wasn't seen before to that level. You know, and remember when we had TJ on the show, he was talking about the big difference. When I asked him what's the big difference from when you first started into this, he goes, you know, we were we we had our action after the flop. Today, everything is very strong. You know, pre-flop, pre-flop. Okay. Uh, he talks about uh, to capitalize this uh, to today's level. He said, what you should do now is. Uh, you know, really get in and learn how to play uh, a, a non-standard game like PLO. Uh, uh, he said maybe PLO 8 or better, you know, is uh, is certainly maybe down the road is a game that people would like to play. Or, or, or maybe just horse and play them all and learn how to uh, play the niche in that. Find a good game that uh, where people don't really know how to play, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it goes regularly. And uh, is off the beaten path. He's suggesting don't do it at Vegas during the summer. He said you're going to run into too much competition there. So he said the holy grail is to find a nice big game where no one has a clue how to play except for you. And other would-be pros don't even know about the game. He's not saying they're easy to find. He said, but they are out there. And addressing that there, our friend Steve Karp, who's been on the show before, I remember him telling me once, I said, hey, I don't see you over here. He goes, oh, because I found a great game, you know, at, at, at one of the local casinos that a lot of people weren't playing at. But there was a couple of players that were showing up and I guess just giving their money away. And he didn't want anybody to know about that. He wanted to take as much as he could before <laughs> everybody found out. Uh, the third uh, thing he would do different now if he was turning pro is uh, uh, demand a bigger bankroll. He said when he started, he had 20000 as a bankroll. And uh, he said, you know, it was he made enough to live on, but he realized that he was kind of spinning his wheels with that uh, type of a bankroll. And he said something that would be uh, a way to make a little more comfortable living would be a hundred thousand. Now, if you don't have that kind of money and you, it's going to take you a while to build up a bankroll like that, maybe you go and get uh, staked for some money uh, with people and and start it. But he said, uh, you know the. He said grinding up from 20000 or less is very difficult. And he said most of the people that have done it either had one extremely lucky score in a tournament or uh, or taking advantage of some sort of non-live poker opportunity that presented itself for a brief period of time. Yeah, I mean, you know, you hear about 20000 you know, and I remember people who had tried to go pro down here, and they started with less than that, thinking that they, you know, they, all their dreams were going to come true. Um I only remember one of them still playing it about two years later and had having some success. Others started really well and then f- faded out, and others just started really bad and went through their whole bankroll and had to go back to working for a living. He said that the regular concept that most people have about it is that you start at the one-two tables, you win, you win, you win, and then eventually you build up to uh, bigger games and, and make your money that way. He said he doesn't think that's usually the story. Uh, he said, usually a big early boost in your game by exploiting a temporary but lucrative opportunity or just sheer luck, you know, something happens to you that you're able to do that. Yeah, and he's talking about three things that he would do differently, and I'm sure if he addressed in an earlier article what he did when he first started, but a lot of people take that bankroll and don't use it as just a business bankroll. 
they don't have another bankroll to pay their expenses, their living expenses, their rent, and everything else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some people use that from that 20000 or less that they have there. And when you're starting to do that, once you hit that little stretch, that little patch of bad, bad run of cards, you, you can't recover for it. And that's probably what he's talking about when he says start with 100000 because it will allow you to go through a lot more variances of up and down right. and then eventually straighten out the ship. Uh, he said uh, it's not as easy as it was in 2003 to start your career. He said, but he said there are opportunities out there, and you can still be successful by using that formula. So, uh, kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know. Would you suggest that people take this up as a career at this point? Listen, I I, I don't want to suggest anything to anybody. That's got to come from inside <laughs> and how you think you you are as a player. It is, as they've always said, poker's a tough way to make an easy living. Right. And it's still true today. And yeah. it's still very true today. So the games down here, for the way that I used to play the game, you need a larger bankroll and you need a lot more nerve, you know, because they're so aggressive. So if you do run good early, fine, but you can go through your bankroll a lot quicker also. And, of course, the one thing that uh, we don't talk about but uh, is a big thing for many people is that is depends on your living situation. I mean, obviously, someone like you that has a family, uh, it's very much more difficult. We're talking about uh, people who really can do just about anything they want and step out there, and it's just not the case for most people. If you have children at all, uh, I'm not sure that you can start a career at that point. It's very hard because, yeah, you're going to look at some of the things that he said about the cities, but if you have children, you've got to find play areas with good schools, so, you know, something that's adaptable to your family. And that, like you said, it's just so difficult. The percentage of married people with, with a family has to be one, one, one and a half percent. This is more for, the, I would imagine, the 20-something-year-old and uh, right. early 20s that – has had some sort of success, has built up some sort of a bankroll, and says, hey, you know what, I think I could take this to the next level. They have the freedom to do what he just mentioned in that article. Right, and we have always talked about how, uh, you know, the online crowd has, uh, you know, developed their games very quickly by being able to play so many, uh, so many sites, so many games at one time. And there obviously are great ways to make big money and huge events out there, the W Coop and different things like that. Uh, those are still out there, but you don't have uh, the regular way to make money and build up a bankroll starting no. out from And nowhere. he doesn't mention online play like That's you said, where about. now you have to either move to Mexico, Canada, or some other country where you could make that living, you know, doing what you were doing online. Yeah, and exactly. those games have gotten tougher on their, themselves. Right. So... This game keeps evolving, and and you have to evolve with it. You have to find the the small angle, small edge that you can get there and try to take advantage of it with players who are very inexperienced and hope that, you know, the turn or the river comes up, you know, (laughs) in the right right spot for you. Yeah, sometimes it only takes one, but, uh, you know, again, you know, you... It's it's something you can't really plan or count on. It just happens. Yep, exactly. Okay, let's take our last break on the show. We'll talk about Gulfstream Park just for a second here and uh, direct you to uh, one of the great places here in South Florida for lots of entertainment, 
great dining experiences, lots of great restaurants around, not only uh, in the village out in front, uh, great stuff out there, many different restaurants. you got Frankie's, you got uh, the Adina uh, Wine Bar and Grill, which is right there. Uh, you also have some independent firms, chains from uh, around the country like Three Forks and uh, Cantina Laredo, Brio, and things like that. But inside the track, uh, they have... Uh, Chinese restaurant up on the third floor, uh, Christine Lee's, which is very uh, excellent uh, food. And then, of course, the Ten Palms Buffet is top-notch. Uh, you can always catch that, uh, and there's a lot of great uh, parties and stuff and different things going on there. So it's a great place to dine. It's also a great place to shop. There's lots of different uh, uh, places to go in the uh, shopping area. Uh, you know, it just uh, would take forever to run down the list of great things. But you can go to the website and check it all out for yourself, golfstreampark.com. But the poker room is uh, top-notch, and that's uh, where our friends hang out and where we like to play. Uh, It's located in the first-floor casino, the Finish Line Casino on the first floor, as I mentioned earlier. And, uh, you know, games going on pretty much all day long. Uh, they do close at 4 in the morning during the week, but are open 24 hours on the weekend. So uh, lots of opportunities to go out there and have a great time. Uh, they don't have as many tournaments as they did at one point. They used to have some daily tournaments during uh, at noon and that sort of thing, but the turnouts uh, kind of decreased. So uh, really cash games is the way to go for most of the time or maybe play a couple of tournaments uh, in the evening at 7 p.m. So uh, lots of opportunities. Give them a call over there. The brush desk is uh, 954-457-6336. That's 954-457-6336. Racing Wednesdays through Sundays, so you can check that out. And poker uh, seven days a week. Uh, they are closed uh, from 4 a.m. to, uh, I believe, 9 a.m. Uh, during the week, but uh, certainly lots of opportunities to play and check it out. Give them a call. They'll give you all the information you need. It's Gulfstream Park. Welcome to your playground. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the play-for-free demonstration, and hope that you will join us 
when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Final segment. Uh, looking forward to the uh, main event getting underway this Sunday on ESPN2. Once again, that's 8.30 and then another show at, uh, I guess, 10 p.m., a couple of 90-minute shows. So a lot of action from the early part of the tournament. And then they'll pick things up on day four and show a lot of action. Uh, we don't have a Negranu running into uh, whatever uh, 12th place or whatever he finished, 11th <laughs> place or whatever he finished last year. That was one of the things that was very exciting. But we do uh, we do have some interesting players, including the chip leader going into the November 9. Yeah, uh, who's Cliff a big Josephy. backer. Who's a big backer with a lot of the poker players yeah, out there. They'll have some pros. interesting stuff. Uh, also looking very much forward to seeing uh, our friend Stacy Madison on the air and her confrontation uh, with uh, William Kasouf. That will be a big part of the show's probably... Uh, I don't know, maybe a month from now, something like that. But uh, certainly looking forward to uh, seeing her on the air and uh, some yeah, fun stuff there. Stacy made such a great deep run. That was excellent over. Exactly. And uh, I know a lot of other players. I, I did want to pass along the World Series of Poker Circuit uh, finish. Uh, that finished uh, up uh, over the weekend. Actually, on Memorial Day was the final table. And the winner uh, was Sean Yu. Uh, he defeated Eli Alezra. At, uh, in head-to-head play at the final table to uh, win first prize. That was at uh, Planet Hollywood out in Las Vegas, and uh, you wins 170000 Lesra finished second, 105. Uh, Daniel Needleman took third, 76900 uh, Some other names you may have heard of. Uh, Kevin Colenzo finished fifth. Jake Schindler, who has had a great year, he lives down here in South Florida now. He finished in sixth. And Brandon West was in seventh place in that one. Some other big names that uh, did cash at the tournament. Uh, Jordan Christos finished 15th. Steve Gross was 21st. Dan O'Brien, 22nd. Matt Salzberg finished in 41st place. Uh, Eric Baseballdy Baldwin was uh, 45th. Joe Keither, 50th. Sasha Barisi, 54th. So yeah, It was nice hearing Eli's name. You know, yeah. He used to be, you know, in all these big tournaments, he always used to make nice runs, and they hadn't heard his name in a while. So. 528 players uh, showed up for this one. Uh, prize pool was close to 800000 And, uh, you know, the winner uh, obviously earns a spot in the next year's Global Casino Championship. And uh, kind of an interesting field and something a little bit different. Obviously, things are a little bit slower, but when you have a tournament in Vegas there, you do get some big names playing. Yes, you do. Uh, Also this weekend, as I mentioned, the Seminole uh, in Immokalee is holding a big tournament with the World Poker Tour Deep Stacks uh, League that uh, has some great events, and uh, that will all get underway on Friday. Uh, you can either play Friday or Saturday as a day one there. So uh, certainly looking forward to that. And uh, several other things as we hone in on the uh, on the main event. And 
I'll be watching a good bit of that. I'm, I'm going to enjoy it, too, because I, I had such an enjoyable experience watching that final table last year that it's kind of carried over for me to, to watch it. Sometimes I used to watch it at the very end, but I'd like to see how, some, you know, how Josephy uh, started to accumulate all those chips. Right, exactly. So it should be interesting, and we'll be checking that out. Uh, um, certainly uh, the way things have gone the last few years out there, you have a lot of big-name players, uh, uh, but you do get new guys every year that uh, become household names just overnight. It's amazing how that works. Yeah, and what I like is when some of these new people – continue their success going forward you know that uh, that you hear and you mentioned one tonight david williams who wasn't the winner but he's had a lot of success and uh you know we know greg raymer has continued success so Turned let's see a few other things let's see well. ryan reese has continued to have a pretty decent run in some tournaments that we've heard his name at afterwards uh uh joe um joe mckeon joe mckeon from last year has had a pretty decent year so far this year so yeah, let's see who the new new superstar is going to be. Absolutely, and then they'll be moving on from there uh, since they uh, got that done on Labor Day. Uh, things right away kick off in Biloxi uh, later this week, and the main event uh, runs about uh, nine or ten days from now. So yep. uh, a lot of stuff going on uh, over there. Um, so that's uh, pretty much going to do it for the show. Uh, tell us before we leave, though, Joe, a little bit about... Uh, what you have upcoming, I know you're dealing a lot with the PBC Tour, and you have some trips coming up later this month. Uh, where are you headed? Well, the first week uh, I'm leaving town on the 20th, and on the 21st we started uh, at Council Bluff in Iowa, Harris property. And we'll be there through to the main event final, which will end on the 25th of September. Then I uh, fly out of there and go to uh, North Kansas City, another Harris property over there. And uh, that will start on the 28th, head through the 2nd when the main event will be over, the day two finals. And uh, then I get to come back home to South Florida on the 3rd and join you here on the 5th and let you know all about it over there. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, Don't forget that you can always follow us on Twitter at Poker Action Line uh, or on our Facebook page, Poker Action Line. Uh, We do uh, post uh, links to the show. Uh, plenty other places where you can get the program, including the Hold'em Radio Network on a regular basis. Check that out at Hold'emRadio.com or go to uh, iTunes and simply uh, plug in uh, Poker Action Line and you can download uh, the shows for and, free. And let, get a let me mention real quick, Big Dave, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I didn't mention that this is for the PPC Poker Tour. Right. That I will no, be representing. I'm sorry. I know that I didn't mention it, so I want to make sure I get it out there. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, uh, of course, you can pick up the show on iTunes uh, by searching uh, Poker Action Line. Poker Fuse podcast page has a regular spot for us there, and they've been very kind to us uh, getting the show up there. Or you can just go to our website, PokerActionLine.com or PokerActionLineRadio.com. And click on the archives. You can pick up any of the shows on a regular basis. So that's going to do it for tonight's program. Thanks for listening. Uh, We look forward to a lot of fun. Gio, thank you for all your work on the program as well. And, Joe, thank you uh, for your contributions this evening. We'll have another show. We'll line up some guests. We'll have some guest hosts throughout the month of September. And uh, look forward to having a lot of fun here on the program. It's Poker Action Line. Thanks for being with us. And we'll catch you next week on another edition of the show. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 